Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For the first time in a while, we actually have more than the National League to talk about. Thank God, because if Chris had his way, you'd be about to tune into a cricket podcast. Welcome to episode 15 of the PNMP. This is the Premier Non-League Podcast. Um, well, you would be talking about a cricket podcast, but Chris is actually pissed in a tent in the middle of a field somewhere up north um, and texts us about half an hour before we we're due to record, saying he's still in a tent with black teeth. I think one too many red wines. Um, and I don't really think that would be the ideal uh, person to have on the line, chaps, do we? But Trevor and Ian are here tonight, gentlemen. Uh, what do you think? I think it's quite a good thing that Chris has swerved it. Well, well, do you know what? With the amount of rain that's coming down at the moment, if he's in a tent, in a field, good luck to him, as well I can take. It might be a little bit boggy afterwards. Well, that's what we said, didn't we? If, it, if it's the weather, with us, us lot of recording down in the south and on the south coast, um, blowing a gale right now. If it's anything like that up north, that uh, that pergola or tent he's in won't be uh, surviving for much longer. Um, Ian, um, Brighton aren't playing tonight, so you're on the line. <laughs> How are you doing? We haven't seen you for a few weeks. Yeah, very well. I seem to be keeping an unintentional low profile. Yeah, I know, I know. We've uh, we've missed your dulcet tones on the air. So, uh, what have you been up to over the past few weeks? Are you uh, still testing the world for COVID, or has that moved on? Well, now? I mean, I mean, as, as much as any one man can be, um, <laughs> it's uh, well, well, football. I mean, there's plenty of football at the moment. If you're uh, you know outside of non-league, obviously, um, yeah. been doing a bit of Brighton as well. Bit of, bit of... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's um, you know, we can look at just sort of slide away from non-league at the moment with uh, Trevor and his love Barnet um, they seem to be turned the corner right now so it's a pleasure for them to watch um, his other love Tottenham they seem to have turned the corner right now Brighton are doing alright it looks like they've survived in the drop and Charlton my team looks like they're about to screw up on the chances they had for getting the playoffs so um, I think out of us three right now I think I'm the uh, the most suffering because tomorrow night we play Lincoln um and if we don't win, that's it. Season over. And then if we do win, it's literally down to results on the last day. So um, I'm quite glad I'm doing other options on Saturday. But it's it's um it's good to see more than professional football right now, gents, because uh, we have got quite a lot going on this uh, past few days. I've got to say though, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about you two as well, but when you look at League One, League Two, have got a game left to play. We've got uh, what one one or two games left in the championship as well. And then you get to yeah. the Premier League, you've got four left to play, and then you drop down into the National League, and you've still got six to you know six to eight games to play. Down there's such a like imbalance across the whole you know the whole the whole mm. um, thing where normally you're used to, especially this time of year, the Premier Premier League have maybe got two or three games to go. It, it still feels a bit kind of weird. Yeah, well, we saw that um, one of the biggest games, I think, coming up this weekend will be um, Sheffield Wednesday versus Derby County. Basically, winner 
survives. I think uh, if Sheffield Wednesday don't do anything but win, they are down. So draw means Derby are safe. But Derby County dropping into League One, another sort of big fish dropping out. Yeah, but it's cycles, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's like everything. It's all these, I had a conversation the other day on a similar vein. It's like these teams ebb and fall. It's like just because we've grown up with them historically being a bigger side doesn't mean that they're not going to sort of slip down the league. I mean, Notts County is a, is a great example yeah. where they were they were football league mainstays for so long and they've yeah. obviously, you know, regressed. But then you look at that as well, South End United, for the first time ever, have left the football league this weekend. Mathematically, I think they're, they're actually, is it mathematically now? Yeah, they're down. Yeah, they're down. yeah. and it's, um, I feel sad because um, I know from, as I said, being a Charlton fan, being in and around the League One circuit for quite a few years, we've played them a few times and their fans are always a good banter and I know there's like family members because of their other side of the uh, Thames from Charlton, a few people have um, fans, but that would be an interesting side to see how they do next season in non-league because in theory, without looking at the teams, they should be one of the big guns, but I know they've got massive problems going on in that club at the moment so could it go from bad to worse I think now you know when you look at historically of the two teams that dropped down out of the football league they struggle in non-league yeah. they're not used to going to places like Maidenhead Dagenham you know places where the stadiums aren't as glamorous as what they're used to I'm not saying every football league ground is glamorous but they do look like you know I'd say, well, I'm not going to say proper football stadiums because I feel non-league grounds are more proper football stadiums these days because there's less regulations to them. But mm. I think a lot of them come up and find it, sorry, come down and find it such a culture shock, which is why a lot of clubs are still, you know, down and around that level. You know, Ian mentioned Knox County. You've got Wrexham, Hartlepool, Torquay, mm-hmm. Halifax, all in all in the playoffs at the moment. You've got Chesterfield just outside. Notts County is struggling to get into it. It's not easy to get out once you once you go down. You know, rarely, I think, memory serves me right, only two clubs have ever gone down and gone straight back up, which was Carlisle in 2005 and Bristol Rovers in 2015. Ironically, both clubs followed Barnet back up in both seasons, but it is very, very difficult to do. Um, but you do get those two years of parachute payments, but you've got to use them wisely, um, you know, to get yourself back up as you've got that advantage over the over the other clubs but you're you are very much seen as the big fish and everybody does want to beat you it's their cup final when you play every weekend mm, yeah you see it when you know it's even when you go down from things like the premier league to the championship from the championship to league one you know i know from you know supporting seeing charlton play in the premier league for many years going from those big big stadiums and some of them i've not been to because obviously i was going to grounds like highbury which is obviously gone now and you know you've got these big um, our last season was when the emirates um i think was complete you go down to championships not too much of a drop but in league one god some of the teams i remember i went boxing day with the year we won league one to yeovil um <laughs> that was a long old drive from um from when I was living in Crawley at the time. But God, the, the shock of that, like, loved it, loved it. I love everything about it. But I think it, it's, it's a weird feeling, but I think the fans, the players, and, and it goes the other way as well, because, you know, there are some some smaller grounds they are playing at bigger stadiums and they perform better because they want to, especially when there's fans in there. Can you imagine going to a 20,000-seater stadium when all you've been used to is playing in a five 6,000-seater or something? Yeah, a lot of players do, you know, do like it. They, you know, like you say, they respond to that. You know, a crowd playing behind them is not something that you're all, all, always used to. Um, the stadiums do look do look good, and it does inspire some teams. Other teams will get there, be completely overawed, mm-hmm. and come away, you know, with a six 0 hiding. 
or you could be like the original Darlington who wanted to do it the other way around and build uh, a massive yeah. stadium <laughs> in the lower echelons of the football league. It didn't really go wrong with uh, marble clad flooring and stuff from what I remember reading at the time. And um, that's now being used for a rugby team, I think, mm. for a rugby stadium, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But um, National League, going to talk about obviously Southend going to be going into that next season. The top of the National League, who's going to be replacing them in uh, League Two? Because the ball really right now is in Sutton's court. They've got two games in hand over Yo- um, sorry, over Torquay at the top. Who's going to win it, gents? Trev, who do you reckon is going to get there? Re- reading today, a lot of people are still saying Sutton. Yeah. Um, Torquay got. I mean, my heart's with Sutton because of like ex Worthing players. Yeah. But- yeah, I mean, I watched Sutton Tuesday, last Tuesday night against Barnet and we matched them the whole game through. They won it through um, an Omar Bugil goal. But, you know, if you if you look at it now, they can't, although they've got the two games in hand, one's tomorrow, as we record it, it's tomorrow evening away at Notts County, which won't be easy because no. County can still great crash the playoffs. But Torquay have four points in front. Sutton have got those two games in hand, but Torquay got the points in the bag. The onus mm. is now on Sutton that they've got to win. I mean, Hartlepool's defeat um, on Bank Holiday Monday at Bromley was a bit of a surprise considering the run they've been on. And Stockport have done fantastically to get themselves in with a shout. They've still got a bit to do. Hartlepool have still got a bit to do. But there's four games left, I think, for them. Yeah, four games left for those sides. So there isn't a lot of you know, margin for error. Um, and if, you know, if Sutton go and lose it, at Notts County, um, you know, that throws the playoff race open a little bit more and it really does put the pressure on on, on Sutton to win their other game in hand to, to keep up with Torquay. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, it's great. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's the best race I've seen for a few years. The commentators were, were saying, you know, during the um, trophy in the Vars finals, I think, I think it's during the trophy final today. You know, it's the best race they've seen for years. And normally you've got one side just runs away with it. And, you know, having the playoffs going down to seventh place is fantastic because you can even look at 12. Maidenhead are currently uh, eight, nine points off Bromley with two games in hand. So they win their two games in hand. That gap cuts them to, to three points. You've still got Dagenham in front of them, Notts County, Eastley, Chesterfield. All got a chance at the playoffs. So I, I think about three or four weeks ago, I blogged and said it looked like a three-horse race for the title with Torquay, Sutton and Hartlepool. The four in the playoffs looked absolutely set as they were. And then a couple of sides won games, two in a row, a couple of sides lost two games in a row. And then bang, all of a sudden, you've got about a seven-horse race for four places again. It's, it is, you know, pretty exciting and... I think fair play to the players that have played in front of empty stadiums all year. In in effect, for them, it's like a training session because you know the, there are points on offer, but they're they're training training and playing in front of as many people, you know, on both occasions. So you know, to to get a race like this is great. You know, the fans have been able to see it as well. Would have been you know probably something else, but I'm not convinced. Then Barnet would have been in the bottom three if we had fans inside the stadium. But you know, yeah. it is what it is. It's, it's one of those things. I mean, as I said, like I look at them and I mean, Torquay, Sutton, both with former Worthing players playing for them and David Adjaboy. Um, he doesn't really feature that often. Callum Keeley uh, plays for Sutton. Um, I think he's injured he, at the moment. Is he injured at the moment? Yeah, because yeah. I haven't seen him in the game list. And um, Torquay, their goalkeeper, Lucas Colliver, um, which would be great. You know, 
who knows? Who knows if you'll ever see if you'll see them if they go up? Um, will they come back? We stay in non-league, but those other teams like Hartlepool, big big team, like you know, been in the sort of low echelons the league system for years down in, and you say Stockport again, they were in football league two at one, uh, football league one at one stage. It is so close. I mean. <laughs> I think I think Sutton might do it, but you see so often when, as you say, when games are in hand, they seem to have that so much pressure that they seem to throw it away. I mean, it would be good to see Sutton go up. Um, maybe Wayne can have a pie again, which would be nice as a celebration um, <laughs> when he play Arsenal in the cup again. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think I, I'm going to go for Sutton. Uh, Ian, what 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 do you think? Um, I would argue that in historically the chasing team has always been the the team the team to struggle because you've got a match result yeah. result for result. Um, it's the pressure, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think I think you probably alluded to with the fans. The fans may well be yeah, may prove to be the difference, or therefore yeah, the lack of fans. And from what I remember, I think um, Trevor said was it. Um, the last game of the season, they're hoping to possibly get fans in for yeah, the National yeah, League. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think we said quite a few weeks ago um, when we recorded that um, Hartlepool were going to be the only team not to get fans yeah. in, but they actually postponed, I think, their game against Weymouth a couple of weeks ago to move it to that Saturday um, so that every team will get at least one home game or should with, with fans inside the ground. Um, Sutton, as it is, go to Barnet on that Saturday. Um, yeah. So, obviously, the game we gave them the other night, it's not going to be an easy three points if they need them. Um, Sutton have also got to play Hartlepool uh, in the next few weeks. And I think as well, there's a, another couple of other fixtures that stand out as well. I think if I can find them quickly. Sure. They've got Notts County, Weymouth, Woking, Maidenhead, Hartlepool and Barnet as the final game of the season. Yeah, Sutton, Sutton Hartlepool's the Saturday beforehand, which could, could well be the title decider. Ironically, Barnet goes to Torquay that, that weekend. So in consecutive Saturdays, Barnet can have a big say where the title goes, which is... And to be honest, uh, to be honest, the way Barnet are playing at the moment, I wouldn't really want to play them because they they were, as I'm sure you could say a few weeks ago, Trevor, they were going to be an easy three points for any team visiting them. Yeah. But now with the new management, they seem to have turned it around and they've actually started performing well. And okay, too little, too late. But you know, maybe that's a good sign for the beginning um, of the restructure for next mm-hmm. season, trying for you guys to push for um, getting promoted back to the league. Yeah, it definitely is. I think I think it's helped. We have, to be honest that we've had a couple of losses the last um, last two games prior to to the Bank Holiday Monday game against Weymouth because um, mm. it's actually given it's probably actually made Simon and, and Dave understand more about the players than it did in the four games we went unbeaten. But um, he changed it around a bit against against Weymouth on on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, managed to go. We went in front. They went that we went down to ten men as well, and then I thought then actually we'd possibly capitulate a little bit as has been the story of our season in games. But we actually we actually dug in, defended, um, and scored the scored the second goal and should have had a third one soon after. So there's 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 little shoots of optimism. I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on too many of the players actually being still there next season, and mm-hmm. uh, I think for the, for um, 
Anthony Wordsworth, who got sent off this afternoon, it's his second red of the season. So he's looking at a four-match ban with only six games to go. Very little chance, I Not think. useful. Not really, no. And I, I, I don't think there's going to be another opportunity to see, see him in a barnet shirt. It's a shame he's got a very, very good left foot, but you can't afford to carry players that are going to be that indisciplined um, this season. I think that's our 10th, our 10th or 11th red card this season. So, they need so, to sort of discipline but, out. Yeah, well, it's the first one under. It's the first one Simon's had in seven games. Yeah, uh, the rest have come prior to that. But we've also had something like sixty-three booked as well, which is about the third worst um, in the national league this year. So oh. that tells you where some of it's, you know, come from this year. There's, there's, you know, not much respect for each other. No, not at all. So just rounding this little bit up, you haven't put your neck on the line. Who are you saying for promotion? Oh. Winning the title, title, title. Oh. Sorry, title. I, see Sutton, I said Sutton. See Sutton had their blip a couple a few weeks ago. Um, turned it around with a couple of wins. Tough game against Notts County this week. I fancy Torquay. They're pulling last minute winners out of the bag every okay. every every time they've 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 picked up the uh, most points with last minute winners this season, and they've got the points in the bag already. I think that's more crucial at this time of the season now. Than mm-hmm. it is having games in hand because you, you know you're running out of you're running out of time. You've already got the points. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Torquay unless Stockport make a really late run. Cool, Ian. How about you? I know you uh, said you didn't favour the you didn't favour the sort of un, the one that's got games in hand. So are you having someone that's already solidly up there? I'm I'm back in Torquay on that one. Torquay, Torquay. So we'll wait to see because I think that I think the next episode that we're planning in a few weeks' time um, is after the second set of the non-league finals day and the end of the national league season. So we'll have to see what happens then. The Premier Non-League Podcast. Talking about non-league finals day, as um, I confused Trevor earlier saying part one as he thought I was getting confused in those two things, but I meant part one because weirdly. The trophies were for the 1920 season. We had the finals of the FA Vars and the FA Trophy today. In the FA Vars, it was Hebben Town beating Concept 3-2. Um, and for the first time ever, a, a non-league club, uh, League 2 Harrogate, uh, beat non-league South Concord Rangers. Um, two very good matches, I thought. Uh, I know, Trevor, what's of Ian, you were working. Um, the first one, plenty of goals and in very short space of time. Yeah, first one was fantastic. I was just saying to Ian, actually, before you come on, I've, I've, I've been to non-league finals day, I think, for the last, I think, four out of the last five years. Yeah. Um, and um, watching the watching the two sides that, that play first in the Vars, your step five and step six is, is great because you get the the natural blood and thunder you get of non-league football. Um, of, you know, players in a once-of-a-lifetime opportunity, you know, mm. to get to Wembley in that competition. We think how many clubs start out in that and, mm. um, you know, then it becomes non-regional and you've got, you know, journeys north, journeys south, you know, huge mileage, you know, just to get to that final. Um, it's great. And then when you get the trophy, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon, it, it becomes, a, I would say, a little bit more culture just because those players are higher up the pyramid you know, they have more time for, you know, um, there's, there's more attention to detail um, and, and, and you get two completely different ends of the pyramid. It's, mm. it's absolutely great to see whoever the two, you know, the two two sides are competing in each. And 
So could um, I ask you, like, I mean, I've, I've never been to a football non-league state. I've always wanted to go to finals today, but I've always been working uh, in non-COVID times. So how, how does it actually work? So obviously you get one ticket for two games, am I right? And say, yeah. is it like a little festival? Like, do a lot of the fans from the first game stay to watch the second game or do they sort of go after the, the first game? It depends, I think. Um, I mean, a few years ago, um, Hereford took something like around 20,000. Wow. Um, yeah, which was, which was fantastic. Um, and um, they got thumped 4-1 by Morpeth. Um, so they bucked off. Yeah, a lot, unsurprisingly, a lot of them didn't stay. I don't know whether some of them had planned to. Some had, you know, just planned to go to, to um, you know, just their game and that was it. But I think it was the, I'm sure it was Bromley and, and Brackley that followed afterwards in the trophy. Um, and Bromley bought around about the same similar sort of number as well. But I did notice there were some Bromley fans there watching the first first game as well. But you literally the first game kicks off somewhere around about twelve o'clock, um, and then obviously first game finishes. You know, get the lawnmowers out again because the grass has grown inside ninety minutes. Um, and then you can either stay in your seat, you can move around inside the stadium. It's not completely open. Every single bar and is it free seating. Sorry, is it free seating? Do you see what you buy your tickets, you allocate seats. I mean, we normally, we used to get hours in advance because they did a neutral section um, yeah. because obviously, you know, our clubs weren't anywhere close to it or anywhere I was following. And even if they were, it really doesn't matter because, you know, it, it's a pretty much, it's, it's a non-league day rather than that. Yeah. You get a lot of ground hoppers going, um, obviously as well, but there are segregated areas where, you know, clubs have got X amount of tickets depending on their... Um, you know, uh, following and whatever, but you know, there's been some cracking. I went um, when they did it as singles days. You know, the bars was on one day and the trophy was on the other. I think 2013 mm-hmm. when Tunbridge Wells played uh, Spennymoor. Tunbridge Wells took, I think, thirteen and a half thousand. Um, and Spennymoor they just took... emptied the town. Yes, yeah, so everyone, yeah. everyone on a bus <laughs> come 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 to Wembley. Um, I think it was. And I think spending more took about 7,000. Um, yeah. But apart from, I think that from that, from, from that year, most times around that, um, the Vars wasn't that well supported yeah. because of the lot of sides that got to the final were more, yeah. were more Northern. So obviously for them to come down for a whole weekend, you know, you're talking, you're talking a yeah. fair bit of money at the end of the season following, following your club. So I think well, that's the one person they... we could one person we could ask about that decides to go get pissed in the tent tonight, so yeah. we can't even ask him really about <laughs> no, that. Can we? Um, so I think that's why you know they've combined it, but it's a, it is a nice little festival full of football, and I think if you're a neutral, um, you know it's nice to go and watch two games of football at at, at the home of football, you know in a in a comfy seat. All right, the prices of Wembley we know are extortionate and everything, um, but you get two games of football, and I think I'm sure. It was 25 quid, I think, the last time I went two years ago. Yeah. You know, and that for two games of football, you can't even get that for one in the Premier League, can you, Ian? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a mortgage payment. Exactly. It's, it's, it's funny you say that because my early experience, I mean, I, as I said, I've not been to non-league finals day, but I went to the old-fashioned um, project when um, the college that both my Ian and me attended, uh, Goddard in, uh, in Surrey, we... Um, Myself and my friend Graham were doing a documentary comparing Charlton 
to Woking. It was it was quite good because we got access to Charlton. They, when they're in the Premier League, we, they allowed us to film um, around the stadium on a train on the press day at Charlton. And uh, Woking, part of the agreement was uh, we can interview their manager, Glenn Cockrell, um, yeah. in, in exchange for being able to film wherever and wherever we like. So we managed to get on the pitch at the end of the game, film the players. Um, I mean, so you've got two spotty uh, 17-year-olds interviewing uh, Glenn Cockrell, not very well, probably somewhere in the depths of the internet. Never found the videos because I think they were starting out on a service, but it was part of it. It was enjoyable. And the final that year was due to be at Wembley for the first time. But as we all remember, it was delayed. Uh, the completion of Wembley was delayed. So it was played at Upton Park. And, you know, I went to Upton Park as a fan, a Charlton fan in the away end when we were in the Premier League. But I have to say, like having the press having the press uh, pass there sitting in the gantry where the commentators sit it was it was an amazing experience but unfortunately Woking who obviously we were behind they lost 2-0 to Grays that day but god it was a, it's, it's an experience and you could just tell how obviously there was all the Woking fans there how gutted they were because as you say it's a taste of the glory okay it wasn't Wembley but I mean, playing at Upton Park would have been an amazing thing for Woking who playing uh, Kingfield Stadium I think I think as well a lot of clubs don't treat the FA Trophy quite as seriously as as they have done in you know in the past as well. A lot yeah. of clubs treat it as you know we'll we'll rest a few players. It's not that important. So you get to that sort of quarter final stage and then you think hello you know we can sniff Wembley from here. But yeah, you've got some clubs like um, like Woking. Um, you know you've got managers like Mark Stimson got a great record with the trophy. Um, you know and obviously he's, he's got Hornchurch there. You know this year. Well, that's um, the thing that sits at us three, all support teams that are in the Usman Premier. And I don't know if you feel that, Ian, but Trev, I certainly, you know, seeing, I'm, I'm buzzing for Hornchurch and PNLP favourite Chris Dixon, but I just feel a slight jealousy. But again, I feel gutted because the fans aren't going to be able to go there um, unless I'm mistaken. I think, I think are they, they may be are. trying to. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, I mean, I, I got the feeling that it wasn't because I felt I think I remember reading that it was weird because they're going to let fans in for the FA Cup final. No, that was uh, today. And, was that today? Yeah, yeah. Today they had 20, 20 tickets each. What to, in the finals day today? Yeah, twenty okay. tickets <laughs> each team had in the ninety thousand seat stadium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I, I watched the FA Cup semis the, the other week and. I still like I can understand with COVID and you've got to be sensible, but there were so many seats not occupied and you think for finals, you can understand as a club the cost of it, but as a national stadium, they could easily have opened up some more blocks. But I feel I feel gutted, but you know, it makes me want um Worthing next season to push for it. And speaking to Adam Hinchwood for the other podcast that myself and Pete do, um he said next season he's he's been building himself and he's been learning about himself and develop, trying to develop his character and he really 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 wants a cup run and you know seeing things like um seeing things like Chorley in the cup um obviously Marine Hornchurch, Marine Hornchurch getting to the final at Wembley I think you'd be daft to say that none of those players want that. Oh yeah, no, I I quite agree. Um, I, I, it's one thing actually probably that Hinch really pains him that you know he can't get on a cup run I mean when you think what two or three games in last year James when we went to East Grinstead mm-hmm. um, you know and no disrespect to East Grinstead Worthing should have should have won that game and, and had it outside yeah um, and I think that's that's the one thing having you know followed um, followed followed Worthing for, for the last four or five years that cup runs never been on you know their agenda going to Horsham earlier in the season when they played you know Potter's Bar again. No disrespect to Potter's Bar, but Horsham should have won that 
you know, should have won that game. Went to penalties, I think it was. I can't quite remember. Um, but Potts Bar went through. Um, you know, Barney have another, you know, you know, bar the FA Cup where we've got to the fourth round a few times, you know, we've not had a decent cup run at all, especially in the trophy, you know, the, the times that we've been back into non-league for absolute years. And, um, you know, while the league is everything, you know, that's what provides you with, you know, going up, bigger wage budget, you know, more TV money and extra and blah de blah You know, everyone likes the little bit of romance to cup and hopefully with what Hornchurch, Marine and Chorley have achieved this year without anyone being inside the stadiums. You know, a lot of clubs will, will, will take a look at it next year and think, you know, you know, we want a bit of that, but yeah. with people inside cheering us on as well. And still sitting on their fences in their back garden having Prosecco, Drinking in, Prosecco their, in, yeah. in their hot tubs and stuff like that, because I still <laughs> think that was brilliant. And that's one of the pictures of this weird season that I'll take away. Um, I mean, it, it will bring some magic of the cup back into, um, you know, it's not the FA Cup, but it will bring some magic of the cup. Um, but one of the magic little things today, I thought, in the Vars, I don't know if you read, but Amar and Arjun Purewell um, are the first South Asian twins, twin brothers, to face each other. And they play for heaven and concept. So though there must be, a, a, who can you support as a mother and father? Who are you going to sit there and watch? Because obviously you're going to be happy either, but you know, you can't be showing favoritism or anything like that. Or did mum flip a coin and say, I'll support Amar. And did dad flip a coin and say, I'll support Arjun. And that's how it went. I mean, it must be tough for them, but what amazing achievement the first South Asian twins to uh, face each other at Wembley in a final. Yeah. Both had good games as well. You know, one yeah. scored, um, you know, both both sets of teams put in a, a really good performance. I mean, when you think Concert not played since November, um, Heaven are still involved in this year's competition. They're in the quarterfinals, I think, to play this weekend. So they could actually defend their trophy in yeah. three weeks' time. Go back to that um, two trips to Wembley in a month. I know, yeah. Um, but again, they've only been, as far as I, they may have played the odd in-house friendly and that sort of thing, but they've literally played bars games for the last month and a half and, and that's yeah. it, really. So... You know, for both those sets of players to put on 90 minutes, the same with Concord, um, you know, in the trophy as well. You know, you know, Wembley's not a small pitch. You know, so many players no. that, have, that, you know, that have gone there from, you know, from from the low, from lower league levels and, you know, going, it really does sap the energy out of you. Um, you know, to have not played football for that amount of time and then go and, you know, knock a 90 minutes out in a cup final, you know, is something else, I think. Yeah, no, it is. It is a, I mean, you can just tell by whenever you watch the pitch, when, but it's so much wider than sort of all the other um, pitches you're used to seeing in non-league. Um, but take away from that, I mean, it is weird to see Harrogate as a League Two club. And I know obviously they're playing the 1920 trophy, but obviously for people that don't know is that the FA trophy is a you know exclusively non-league trophy. And to have a non-non-league club uh, win it. But, you know, the story of um, Harrogate, it's a nice story. It is quite a feel-good. And, you know, I, I do like Harrogate and, you know, what they've done. And uh, it's nice to see them win. It, obviously, Concord, um, we had the Cowley brothers in the studio for BT, obviously, who've, who have long affiliation with uh, Concord Rangers. But, um, Trevor, were you happy with the result with Harrogate? Or would you have liked, I mean, we would have liked the underdog, obviously. But you, you, you go away happy from that result? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I did a little blog piece for them, uh, which I put up last night. But obviously, with the media blackout and everything, I took part in that this weekend. So I've not I've not posted anything on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram um, since Friday afternoon. Um, but I'm, I mean, I said I think if they can weather if if they could weather the Harrogate pressure, which you know was immense in the first twenty minutes, and they just blocked everything, that you know they could nick it. Uh, you know, and the and the fact that they 
came up against a football league side that's played week in, week out since September. Mm. Um, they themselves have not played since, since February. Um, you know, at some point, the legs were going to catch up with them. But to be honest, they, they really didn't. They matched them all the way through. Um, you know, and the fact that Harrogate could only score once and that didn't come to, I think, about the 73rd minute or something yeah. like that. It was quite um, late on. Yeah, quite late on. You know, they um, and, and um, Concord had a great, great chance. I can't think it was. Managed to scoop it over the over the bar from about two yards out. He, oh, he, yeah. He literally yeah, just needed to tickle it. Mm. Needed to tickle it and that was in. And at, that was at, in. At 1-1. But, yeah, you, you know, they can, you know, first time they've made it to the to, to the final. Um, you know, and had, had, had it been played, you know, beginning of the season, um, if they could have squeezed it in just before the Football League season started, you may have seen a slightly different game. I don't quite know. Um, but um, no, I mean, Harrogate... Tell the frustration Harrogate were getting pure frustrated and I thought that would yeah. boil over and stop making silly mistakes and then all Concord needed to do was just take advantage, but it just didn't quite get there. No, not quite. Um, and um, like I say, you know, coming up against full-time pros that have been playing week in, week out and they've got a game left in their season, you know, Concord, Concord will be proud of what they've done. Um, you know, and again, it shows, you know, they're a conference south side, then, sorry, National League south side. They're not a national, full National League side. They're part-time mm. and taking the competition seriously and, you know, and got themselves to Wembley at the end of it. So, mm. you know, and again, like Hornchurch, it just shows, shows what you can do um, you know, and balance it against playing a league campaign as well. Hundred percent. No, it was good to see it. It was uh, it's nice to see a couple of non-leagues at Wembley, but it's just a shame that there was no more fans in there because I was really hoping to have a a few fans. But hopefully for part two, part two's in a couple of weekends' time. Am I right? Is it a weekend around the twentieth or something? I think. Is it? I'm not quite sure on the dates myself. Yeah, I think it is the uh, weekend of the twenty second, twenty third. Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be when we do the next podcast on the twenty fourth. It'd be interesting to see what the results were on them. Are you PNLP? But gentlemen, it made me think today. You know, I think watching two non-league football games on television, it made me think to look when I was looking at the scores earlier, and I saw today uh, my team Worthing should have been playing Bogner in El Classic Host, one of the most sought-after games this season. I always look out for. It really made me think for the first time ages how much I'm missing non-league football. Um, Trevor, you've been to the sort of derbies before the Bogner Worthing derbies, and they are quite fiery and feisty, and there's a good atmosphere there. Um, is there any games that made me think? Is there any games this season you've really missed? Any rivalries that you've really missed and going seeing, apart from the obvious Bogner? And- the obvious ones, yeah. Um, I, I don't know really. Um, Little Hampton Wick, mm-hmm. yeah, there's normally, no, normally goals in that. Yeah. Um, Arundel playing either one of those two as well. That's in the you know, it's a local local derby for the for the three of them. Mm. Um, I think beyond, I think once you go a bit bit further up, you could you can pick out you know in any division. You can pick out Dorkin and Leverhead in the National League South, Dartford yeah. and, and Ebbsfleet. You can, like you say, you've got, you know, Worthing and Bogner is the biggest rival in that division, but you would put Worthing and Horsham together, the A24 derby. Well, that's it. The A20, I mean, Ian, you, you must, um, you know, that, that, that that's a fi- fixture I look forward to as well. But I think because they really haven't been around the same leagues for that long, there hasn't been that time to sort of develop a sort of rivalry. I mean, Bogner and Worthing, you know, it is a rivalry. I mean, but people do take it and people do hate Bogner and everything like that. But um, I think with Worthing and 
and Horsham. It is a friendly rivalry. I mean, can you think of any games that maybe Horsham have got a rivalry with as well, like from previous? Like, is it Leverhead maybe? Uh, I never, I honestly wouldn't know. I mean, you said, what would you miss about, you know, going to games, etc. I just miss going to games, period. I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably speak for yourselves as well in this, that like Saturday is kind of like my day hmm. in terms of, in terms yeah. of structure of a week. Like, you know, my, 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 my main team, Brighton, we play at three o'clock on a Saturday, almost exclusively. <laughs> what was that? Well, well past couple very, of times uh, I've noticed uh, for one excuse we have that you haven't made the podcast because they are playing on that day. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, your car broke down last time apparently, but you know, it uh, we'll, we'll let you off with that one. <laughs> I've, 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 had, I've had three cars since this podcast died. I'm not even joking. <laughs> um, I wish I was joking. Bad luck, bad luck. Not through any accident, is it? Through no, uh, no, just just crap, just crap. <laughs> crap cars. Okay, anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, for, for me, Saturdays are my, like yeah, the football day. So regardless of where I'm going, be that Horsham, be that Brighton, or if I'm going somewhere else or watching something on the telly, that is sort of the the day that gets my hmm. my primary sort of football attention. And yeah, it is agree with that. And I think it's been avoiding everyone's lives, not not just us, but obviously the players and obviously the the clubs that need the revenue. Um, it, it's integral to our lives. You, you say Saturdays, though, but I, I, funnily enough, I actually prefer weeknight games going live. I actually I don't know what it is, and I'm sure you guys can really say, like, under the lights, especially at non-league ground, there's something quite special about them. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, I think when... you can't really prep for it, because obviously on a Saturday, if in traditional terms, you're going down the pub, you're going, like, but on obviously a weeknight, most people coming straight from work or something like that, so it's a different feel, but I think it's often special. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people say, yeah, I love the midweek under the lights. And then I've got other people who say, you know, when it gets to the um, winter months and you've got other lights on Ooh. Saturday afternoon. Ooh. Yeah, people are like, yeah. I like that as well. And then other people are like, you know, when it gets to the end of April and you're watching the last game in, a, you know, in, in shorts and a T-shirt because it's baking, you know, baking with sunshine. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't say I like any of them any different. They've all yeah. got their own, I suppose, romance to them. Yeah. Um, you know, and they all follow, you know, on the way through. You start the season watching in sunshine and shorts, you know, there's, there's not a, you know, not a sign of, of a floodlight on a Saturday afternoon and you might get the odd occasional Tuesday night cup game to start with, um, you know, so then you get your lights on a Tuesday, but it's still warm. You know, it's not until you get to sort of October, November when the cups mm. are starting to diminish because you've gone out. So then you may get the odd postponed league game under lights and you've got a crisp, October, November night and, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, it's, mm-hmm. it's just as cold, you know, yeah. and the lights are on and then you get the other side of Christmas and you start to come out of the light bit and then you're back into, you know. <laughs> Unless it's this year and it's uh, May and it's still bloody yeah. cold and freezing yeah, outside. you know, <laughs> and, it, and it's all sorts. Going back to your earlier point, Ian, as you were saying, like obviously Brighton are normally a, 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 a Saturday 3pm game. So we're obviously like Sky have shown every you know, game they possibly can or BT. So kickoff times have been here, there and everywhere. Like as, as a, as a fan yourself, does that mess around with your routine in your head as to how you plan things during the week? Uh, well, having to continuously refer to the calendar in my phone to see <laughs> what, what, t- what kickoff time is nothing short of infuriating. Um, as I said, like for me, you're, you're kind of prepped for three o'clock. You know, the, and then all of a sudden you've got this void where you're, uh, where you'd normally be doing something. 
that that's quite jarring. I mean, yeah, my me primarily attending non-league games is down to if we're if Brighton's fixtures are moved, you know, because I know that it's going to be a three o'clock on a Saturday. So you know, I I know that I can drop. You know, if we're, if we're playing at Sunday at uh, midday, I know that I can at two o'clock decide to rock up to an on-league ground and catch a game. That's that to me is part of the the appeal. You know, sort of looking at looking at what's going on around, just picking something and seeing something a little bit different. Which is a beauty in non-league, though, James, isn't it? You, you yeah. rarely get a game moved from from three o'clock unless you're national league and on uh, on BT or your ground share. Yeah, I mean, I have noticed that. Like, uh, it's quite funny. I put the odd quid here and there on an acca. On you know, if you get a free bet through, I often put it through, and uh, um, you can't do it on the Premier League anymore because I think it was Trevor said to me you should always try and target like the same time kickoffs because obviously yeah, if you don't do an early, early one, do an early one it screws up straight away. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's no. that's a thing. That's the thing with the Premier League now. You can't really bet on the Premier League at all because unless there's one or two games that happen around that time because they're all televised. Yeah. they're all different times. So on a Saturday they're all like what twelve? Is it twelve two or is it no? It's twelve thirty three o'clock. 5.15 and 7.30 or something, yeah. isn't it? Every day, yeah. so over the weekend. So it's one of those and then a Friday and then it's a Monday match. But um, I mean, talking about the Premier League, gentlemen, um, this week, quite, I say, it's quite worrying scenes coming out of Old Trafford. I mean, I can understand the protests and where they're coming from, but I can't believe the sort of stupidity of some of these fans, like going and smashing up things when cameras are around. And, you know, I, I for one, saw one, one guy grabbing one of the, sky camera tripods and smashing it up he um there was a camera that i think was smashed i mean i i can understand but you know from being a fan of a club that i've taken part in protests at Cholton over the ownership of roland du chatelet who's now gone but you can't be going and breaking into old trafford and then causing a match to be um called off camera i mean it's it, it, it takes into sort of this fan ownership which you know i can understand but that model can't work here surely no, it can't. It, it, basically, you, what you what you'd be asking now is for, um, you know, an owner to to relinquish part of their ownership, which is not you know, which immediately devalues their what they've invested in it. The only way that that would happen is if it was to be, you know, the subsequent sale. It was on the provision that that would become a shared mm-hmm. ownership model. It's the only way it would ever work. But I mean, it, I. I mean, I, I, I watched it. Okay, I was I, kind of not surprised that they were protesting. No. But I realised that everything is relative, you know, in terms of their struggles isn't um, a non-league struggle, say. No. But the, you know, in context, you know, they, are a, they remain a successful club. I mean, I think that's the thing that frustrates me is that I always say it's like when Arsenal were calling for Wenger out and all the time, I mean, they've done so well since, haven't they? But, you know, I look at it and I think, as it's non-league yes but you know I don't really know as many things in non-league but you know for example from what I've seen at Charlton we've struggled we've gone down we've dropped 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 we've got a reason to complain about ownership you know I would do anything to be in United's shoes and I know the Glazers have taken money out of the club and you know billions of pounds and whatever and maybe not invested but you know I I think Man U are playing probably their best ever season since Fergie's gone this year um what what is what is the sort of outcry? Why do they, why do they want the Glazers out so badly? Well, it's precisely that because they're taking money out of the club. Yeah, but it's worth noting they've spent nearly a billion pound in transfers. Oh, really? So 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 you'd you target it? I personally, it's mismanagement. It's mis- mismanagement in the hierarchy in terms of player recruitment, 
the way that the club is structured. Now, you could target the owners for that, perhaps rightly, but at the same time, they're not in this country. I mean, I'm quite thankful United took um, money out of the club to sale, uh, foresee the uh, purchase of uh, Tom Brady uh, to win us a Super Bowl as a Buccaneers fan myself. I mean, you know, good on you, Glazers. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, mis- mismanagement, you yeah, point the finger at mismanagement, but and, and they mismanaged the Bucks for a long time. But eventually, yeah. they got their ducks in order mm. in a row. They got it together and they won something off the back of it. I generally think United could do well next season. Uh, no, depends <laughs> on how much you how much you rate Solskjaer, To be honest, I don't know. Like, I think that's always the thing because, like, Solskjaer being a club legend, um, he, he's he's always that worry. Isn't it? It's a bit like Frank Lampard, but obviously Lampard was kicked out for you know he wasn't fan forced out. It was. Um, Abramovich being greedy but um, I mean the, these protests do you think they were wrong going onto the pitch and stuff and smashing things up or do you think that's just a way of trying to get their protest across well did they get it across again remember that their owners live in Florida mm. yeah yeah getting well, it across is, uh, well that's what Charlton did we've got on uh, loads of coaches to Belgium and started protesting I outside think, his house I, th- mm. I think though they did because that was world. that was worldwide news across mm. the world wasn't it the game got yeah. postponed P- fan power fan pressure <laughs> and they just pissed Man City off even more <laughs> yeah I don't um, you know like like the pair of you I don't I don't condone the violence there was no there was there was no need for that there was there was every point from being able to get into that stadium and protest by sitting down on that pitch and not moving that mm. would have had far more consequence than what's happened now because all, all, all that's happened now is that those images an hour in a police station, and those guys are going to end up getting. Do you think they had a four four o'clock four yeah, o'clock in the morning crimi- calls? Yeah, with, with a criminal record. So. Trevor, though, but did you see though the way they accessed the ground? It was the same guy smashing up the camera. They smashed the door in. I'd heard they smashed the door in. Yeah, it was, I, it was shared heard, about social media. It was I've like heard stewards them. let them in as well in places. Um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise you know, me. But there was a door, and I think it was the same guy that smashed the tripod on camera. So he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. And um, you know, like you know, like I say, I, I think they it, it, it achieved what it you know what it did. It put a message across around the world. You know, global global TV audiences that were going to view Liverpool and Manchester United ended up watching nothing. Um, apart yeah, from exactly. you know, a, a, apart from Sunes, Keane, Carragher, and Neville trading blows between <laughs> between the four of them, which is always yeah. entertaining. But if they'd gone in, sat down on the pitch, you know, protested for you know, sat there for whatever 15, 15 minutes, half an hour, mm. got up, peacefully walked out, I think that would have, you know, that would have come across mm. in a lot better way. It it does mark like I, I feel like the last few weeks I realise that this is it's like a slightly off topic in terms of non-league but I do think in the last few weeks with everything that's gone on in terms of the Super League and everything else in between that I think yeah. um, uh, particularly in this country obviously Germany are quite political their, their fans are quite political in the way that they mm. they campaign and, and, and you know with their clubs I do think there's been a bit of a wake-up call in this country Mm-hmm. With yeah. with regards of fans taking back ownership of their their clubs, if not financially, but being able to to protest and make their feelings known, um, you know, physically, not just you know over over social media. Yeah, yeah. and it just brings You're back right. you know the fact that we like non-league for a reason, because you don't really get these sort of things down there <laughs> very often. 
No, no non-league Super League, anyway. Unless you're a Billericay or something like that. <laughs> or former <laughs> Billericay. The Premier Non-League Podcast. Talk about fan ownership. It leads me quite on nicely to um, seeing in step three of non-league... Um, Lewis um, of the ESPN Premier, uh, new manager Tony Russell, um, who left Cray shockingly in March, which everyone was surprised about how well he's done at Cray, and he's gone to Lewis. I mean, Trevor, I think, you know, Lewis, statement of intent, surely. Yeah, definitely for Stuart Fuller to get um, Tony Russell and, and, and Joe Vines in. Um, Pair did very well at Cray, been there six years, I think. Um, two, two, two years not going up when they've been as good as Worthing. Um, I think a lot of frustration there and not being able to, you know, uh, progress. Um, and maybe just a change of scenery needed. But, um, you mm. know, they've got a good a good set of players. Um, reading, obviously, what Tony had interviewed in the non-league paper, though, that, you know, he's outside of his comfort zone and his catchment mm. area a little bit. So he's got, a, you know, something a lot different. But, um, I mean, Lewis is a, you know, a nice little club. It's nicely set out. You know, they've got that it is, and they've been kind of underwhelming the last few years, haven't they? A little bit, yeah. Um, I think, though, they, you know, Hugo Langton, who was there before he went, tried to stabilise it, you know, for, for a couple of years. I think they, you know, had a little bit of a turbulent turbulent time and I think um, you know Hugo said when he left that it's nicely set up you know for whoever comes in next to you know to push it on they both uh, Lewis is actually quite an interesting uh, case study in terms of the way that club is run though because mm, yeah, the, the money the money is evenly split between the men's yeah, and the, the women's yeah. team yeah yeah um, which you know it may well be detrimental to the men's team but you can't take away from the fact. But it's that quite weird because it's one of the uh, you'd like you'd argue in saying that the the women's team is actually probably more successful than the men's team, and it's probably one of the only clubs in England that I'd say are like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like he says, though, it is you know it um it is a very good case study. It's something that like mm. you know no one else is trying. Um, you know, and their grounds are you know it's um it it's great for non-league, isn't it? It's different. You've got your little you know you've got your beach huts. Um, you know, they yeah. did their segregation as pies and fries, you know. So yeah. to me it's always it, it's always been it's always been a club that's tried to think outside the box. Yeah. Um and maybe not maybe maybe quite not got the recognition recognition that it's deserved. Um, you know, because people think it's maybe a little bit too quirky. It's not, you mm. know, it's not for them, but too hipster. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit, you know. But um, I think that's what know. they were targeting. Though. They were targeting the Brighton hipsters with their posters and everything like that they did for matches. And you know, it's nice to see something different. But you know, you know, quite often or not, when something's not the usual, people poo-poo it quite quickly. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be interesting to see what what, what budget Tony and Joe get, you know, next year compared to what they had at Cray. Well, I was going to say, do you think is it are they going to replace Cray? Are they going to be the ones that are like, you know, are, are they just going to get all the players that were at Cray last year? They're going to I get them down know. to South Coast. And is it actually going to be a big sort of South Coast rivalry now between Lewis and uh, Worthing to see who who can actually Well, get from promoted? everything that I read the other day, by the sounds of things, it's a six-figure budget. Is it? Um, mm. Apparently, both both the men and the women's teams have, have both got six-figure budgets. I, I it didn't say what those six figure bu- figure budgets were. So they want like, they want national south again, don't they? They want to get up. So which yeah. they've got the facilities, they've got that nice stand, and you know 
they got a nice ground, quirky ground. I mean, I've always liked the name of it, the dripping pan. It's it makes me exactly, laugh. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. But I also like those games as well. Like, you know, they're probably my second favourite games of the season as a Worthing fan to go to Lewis away because no offence to Lewis, Worthing normally bring have more fans in the ground than they do on those days. And, you know, it's, I mean, this season was different because of COVID rules. But last season, I remember, so well, season before they got null and voided, it was... um. We just outsung, outperformed. There were so many Worthing fans there. And that was on a Tuesday night. It was a brilliant, brilliant game. But fair play to them. It'll be interesting to see. It puts a little bit of nerves into me as a Worthing fan because obviously a bit of change. And if, if Ian's right in saying a six-figure salary, you know, they're going to have a lot of money to spend. And <laughs> I, I don't want us being untouchable at the top to be uh, touched by anyone else. I think I think the good thing as well this year, you know, the pre-season's probably started... Three, you know, maybe two or three months ago for, for a lot of people, for a lot of players, looking at where they're going to play next year as well. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting next three or four months to see where players end up because I'm I've seen a lot of leagues are not not necessarily um steps one, two, three, and four. Um, but five and six are looking to start around, you know, early um early sort of sorry, early August, you know, late July. Um, hmm. you know, whether whether a few players might dual sign at clubs in in three and four and and you know step five as well and actually try and get a few games in before their own season starts you know i don't quite know but yeah you know, it's, it's been, been an interesting few months i think well talk about five and six trevor like there's been uh the restructuring um have you got an update for us um i know i know you, you're probably a bit more of an expert than us on the call here like to um just let us know what's happening well, I know the clubs at step five and six were informed that of those that were in position to um, be allowed to move up. And obviously the creation of the extra league at step uh, four, I think it is. Um, the the movements and upwards and laterally, I think means 110 clubs would, would be able to move. Some clubs have, have, have declined to move up. Um, as far as I'm aware, the place to, has been offered to the team finishing underneath them on a weighted points per game across the two seasons that they put together. Um, I think paperwork had to be submitted by the end of last week. And I think they find out in two weeks time, I think it is where, uh, whether they've been successful or not. What's the reason why a club might decline being promoted? Is it financial, pure financial reasons? Uh, yeah, a bit of both financial reasons. Um, you, you've got the extra cost of, of travel, I suppose as well. You've got to look at the squad you've got now. You know, if you if you polled the twenty odd players you had last year, how many would not be able to do the extra travelling next year? Um, you know, because of their own work commitment. So, are you then going to be looking at changing half your squad, all your squad? Are you going only going to have sixteen players that are available for a Tuesday night away trip because mm. you've got to leave at half past two or half past three? That would be, you know. Um, a lot of the reason for it not going up. I know a couple, I think Christchurch I saw in the Wessex didn't want to go up. Um, and um, so their management team quit, obviously, you know, they fall out. They're, with the yeah. They're ambitious enough at wanting to manage it at, at step four. So they've, they've made their mind up to move, but for the club, it might not have been, you know, feasible to go, especially I think the last year where clubs have lost so much income, yeah. Um, a lot of them are maybe going to be a bit more careful that had they managed to get through a season, they might have gone, Do you know what, we'll give it a crack. But, you know, I've seen I've seen from the clubs like um, Peacehaven um, and, and uh, a couple of others as well that have 
that have managed to get up and you know bounced up again but then the cost of trying to maintain themselves at that level is just you know far too much and then one relegation turns into two relegations and before you know it you're you know back at step five or six again back where you back where you started yeah yeah pretty much yeah it's 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 a it's a funny old um you, you kind of you lot as 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 a, I guess as a fan, you know, as competitive, you know, I'm sure there'll be fun people. As you say, there's clubs that have uh, their management team have fallen out because of that reason, because they 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 want to promote and they want to progress, and it must be frustrating on their part. But you can also understand why clubs do it because of the money wise. Yeah, and but there's you know there there will always be those clubs that, that definitely do want to go up, and 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 for some it will be you know we don't want to be playing the same teams again for the third year in a row and beating them six or seven nil. To try and get promoted for the you know for the third year in a row. So for some for some teams it's it's you know it's ideal and they're ready to take it. Um, you know, and again, who knows exactly what's going to happen next year? So you know, some clubs will go you know will go up, they'll carry mm. on the bounce and you know and uh, and do quite well out of it. Um, but you know, there's always going to be you know one or two clubs that think it's it's maybe a step too far, and I think. You know, without that income this year, a lot of a lot of clubs are going to streamline as much as they can, and you know, try their best to claw back what they've lost over the last year and a bit. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting way, and you know, it's before we know it, it will be here. I mean, it's already May. Mm. Um, you know, the the vaccinations are going well and you know hopefully it's all in good stead for us to get back into football grounds for pre-season after it'll break at sort of uh june time june end of june beginning of july i'd say yeah beginning of july well, yeah, well say, if, no. if they're looking at starting the last weekend of july then a lot of a lot of um clubs will probably be starting pre-season the end of this month i'd imagine Trevor's um, in-car pre-match selfies will return. <laughs> yeah, they will, <laughs> won't they? Yeah, no, I ages, It's been that. ages since one of them, my God. Yeah, so, what was it, October? Yeah, Dorking Wanderers. Christ. No, uh, December, Dorking Wanderers away would have been the last one in the trophy. Is that the one we went to? Was it December? Yeah, yeah December. Yeah, December, yeah. Christ, yeah. Four, 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 and a, four, four months and three days. <laughs> it's crazy. Um but yeah, I guess that really wraps up this episode of the Premier Non-League podcast, gentlemen. Unless uh, there's anything else you chats on, there's any quirks that you've heard this week or past few weeks? No, not that I can think of. No, I mean, I think it's going to be a nice sort of thing. We're, we're planning uh, to have two more podcasts before we go on a summer break. Uh, there'll be one after the next non-league finals day, as we said earlier on the 24th, I think, Monday the 24th, we'll record it. And then there'll be one after the playoffs of um, the National League. So there really won't be much football to talk about after that point because everyone's gone on a summer break. Whether we'll be able to go on a summer break, I don't know. Who knows right now? It's it's hopeful, but um, we'll be here um, for the next couple of episodes. Hopefully, the other cop-outs will um, be able to join us. I mean, the only one that I think we can give actual exception to is Johnny because uh, he's pretending he works in America, although he's still living in the UK right now for his job. So, you know, we'll let him off with that. I mean, I think it's all a fantasy anyway, but, you know, if he's on that plane out of here sometime in the future, then we can, uh, I can take my words back. But the other ones, Pete just uh, needs to get off of his sofa drinking beer and, uh, tri- and um, Chris needs to uh, stop I'm being pissed the in the tent. Yeah, come out of his, his festival, his uh, South Shields festival where he's doing up there. Non-league football does exist in America as well. So, you know, if you're looking for a, 
But you could you could argue saying that the MLS is non-league because there's no competitiveness on it. Hey, I love the MLS. No. Oh, mate. I mean, I say that. I mean, I, I've seen a couple of games. I saw Beckham's last home game for the Galaxy uh, in the playoffs of the year they won the MLS Cup. And um, I went to see the Houston Dynamo um, with work. Um, we The hotel was very near to their stadium. And I got put in the, I have to say, in massive um, brackets, the uh, the ultras end. Um, great noise. But when they call themselves ultras and they've been around for like five years, you can't really uh, take them seriously. But it is a good atmosphere. And I don't know. I just, I, I watch it and I just can't, I can't find an affection for it. I, what I makes love you it. love, what, what team do you follow? Uh, New York City. What makes you love it so much, though? Like, what um, is it like? Because I, I was about to say, there's always a lot of goals, and it's always quite open football. But I have watched 100 minutes, 180 minutes of live MLS action, and seen zero goals. Yeah, there's been there's been the odd games. I mean, uh, for someone that loves Orlando so much as I do, I did sort of follow them for a bit when they launched their new uh, team a few years ago. And, there was it Kaka that signed for them as one of yeah. their coach players, and they got Pato and Nani at the moment. Cool to see, but I, I don't know. Like I don't hate it, but I don't love it. But maybe we could have the MLS update from it's, Johnny Kenworthy. It's got it's got a bit of South American flair to it. I think that's the it's somewhere. Well, it's aren't there rumours? And I might be completely far fetched here that they're trying to merge Liga Mexico with uh, the MLS. That's been knocking around for a long time, but Is in it, terms yeah. of logistics, not just in terms of broadcast casting rights and all the rest of it the MLS as a structure would cease to exist because it's a closed league yeah um, where the where the clubs are owned by the the league yeah um, and then on top of that you've got the, the like the brand deal with Adidas yeah. as well which would be yeah. null and void straight yeah because um because some of the kits that I mean are, are from going on holiday to Mexico I never really noticed before but uh Pumas there's one in Mexico that have amazing kits and I actually I have that bought, shirt. yeah I actually bought this season um club a club America shirt it's a black one it's a third black and white third kit and it's amazing I just love Did it you buy that. It from China uh, yes, I'm not going to pay 100 quid from uh, Adidas Direct or whatever it is, uh, but I absolutely love it. They're sort of the um, Incas and whatever they are, not Incas. Um, yes, I know. Mayans and everything like Mayans, that. yeah. They're um, amazing patterns, but uh, that's what I'd love. That's what I'd love in the England, in the UK. I think Man United and sort of City have come closest to having a bit weird kits this season with their third kits. Well, you can take a risk in a market that um, doesn't necessarily sell a lot of shirts. No, exactly. You're, you're selling to an international audience. To be honest, yeah. And when and when when I've been on holiday to the resorts in Cancun area, they're always selling the shirts in the market, and it's always Johnny Foreigner that is uh, wearing them from England or America. <laughs> if you any respect in Mexican does. But on that note, it's not the El Primero uh, Nona Liga podcast or tonight we'll go back to the Premier Non-League podcast and I think that's about wrapped it up for tonight gentlemen um, we'll be back in um, three weeks time ish uh, probably with only a little bit of what we'll talk about but you never know I didn't expect to talk about so much tonight um, and then one more after that and we'll be on a summer break but from myself James, Trevor and Ian thank you for listening um, do tune into the socials at the PNLP and listen again we're using all the podcast platforms that we use gentlemen good night good night ciao
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.